Amen and good morning. I don't know if you realize, those of you keeners who have been reading with us through version through this Lent Bible reading plan, that we are on day 12 today. So there you have it. It's uh, two Sundays into this season of, of Lent, um, so we're, we're roughly a quarter of the way through, and it's not too late for you to join if you haven't already started. Um, kind of the point is that we would realize what we were just reading and praying and what we were just singing about, that uh, people don't live just by bread alone, but by every word that comes from God. And so this is an opportunity to read scripture. It's an opportunity to do it together. And then we reflect on it uh, on Sunday mornings. And so you can, you can follow us in version. Our church is there. Many of you have already signed up and, and you're doing this. Um, thanks for joining us already. But again, it's not too late. You can catch up. Uh, but the, the real point is that we're doing things together. And, and this reading, so for those of us that have already begun and, and we're kind of on schedule, uh, Each Friday and Saturday, there's at least a chapter from the Gospel of Mark. And so what's been exciting is to see what comes out of that for our own personal reading and then what we get to reflect on in community. But again, I want to just remind you, whether you've already begun and you haven't missed a day or you need to catch up or you want to start, we're not reading it so that we'll say that we've completed the Gospel by Easter, although we can say that. that, That'll be fair to say. We'll have read the entire Gospel of Mark by then, but we're not reading it to finish. We're reading it to be changed. We're reading it to see what God has for us and be moved by that. And so uh, we are going to read from that uh, again this morning. I've really enjoyed this. And, um, and so on Friday, it was chapter 3 from the Gospel of Mark. And then yesterday, it was chapter 4. And so we're going to have a little bit of reading from both again today. And so we're going to start in chapter 3 and notice this very short story. Um, So even if you haven't read this on your own yet, it's going to make sense. I'll, I'll read these six verses, and then we'll read a little bit from the next chapter. So let's begin. It says, Jesus went into the synagogue again and noticed a man with a deformed hand. Since it was the Sabbath, Jesus' enemies watched him closely. If he healed the man's hand, they planned to accuse him of working on the Sabbath. Jesus said to the man with the deformed hand, Come and stand in front of everyone. Then he turned to his critics and asked, Does the law permit good deeds on the Sabbath? Or is it a day for doing evil? Is it a day to save life or to destroy it? But they wouldn't answer him. He looked around angrily and was deeply saddened by their hard hearts. Then he said to the man, hold out your hand. So the man held out his hand and it was restored. At once the Pharisees went away and met with the supporters of Herod to plot how to kill Jesus. So before we read the, the next portion, we're, we're looking at a healing. That's what we just read, and we're going to talk a little bit about that. But we're about to read about some teaching. So Jesus is, is going around. He's, he's teaching. He's proclaiming the gospel. He's also healing people and, and doing all these incredible things. What we're going to notice is that the location of the next setting is in a place that some call the Bay of Parables. Parables takes up about a third of Jesus' teaching, and really the meaning of of a parable is to place beside. It's it's sort of like a a word picture. It's sort of like an allegory, but it's not exactly like that. 
Um, sometimes logic doesn't matter throughout the story as much, but it's, it's to place something. Other people often refer to them as a, an earthly story with a, a heavenly meaning. And so in this, you're going to notice that uh, people were, were crowding around Jesus. Just last week, we learned how there were so many people in this house that Jesus was in that people couldn't get through the door. Uh, there were so many people around him, and there were moments where they couldn't even find time to eat because people were just rushing to get to Jesus. So what we're going to find here is that he's actually taken uh, just out a little bit in a boat to sit down. This was common for a lot of rabbis at the time. Uh, what was really common was that a good teacher would actually sit down while they were explaining things. And so if you could picture, I'm not going to get into a boat today. Uh, I could, but I'm not going to. It'd be really icy, but uh, maybe for fishing. But as you picture this, it says that once again, Jesus began teaching by the lakeshore. A very large crowd soon gathered around him. So he got into a boat. Then he sat in the boat while all the people remained on the shore. And he taught them by telling them many stories in the form of parables such as this one. And he starts by saying, listen, a farmer went out to plant some seed. As he scattered it across his field, some of the seed fell on the footpath, and the birds came and ate it. Other seed fell on shallow soil with underlying rock. The seed sprouted quickly because the soil was shallow, but the plant soon wilted under the hot sun, and since it didn't have deep roots, it died. Other seed fell among thorns that grew up and choked out the tender plants, so they produced no grain. Still other seed fell on fertile soil, and they sprouted, grew, and produced a crop that was 30, 60, and even 100 times as much as has been planted. Then he said, anyone with ears to hear should listen and understand. Father, we thank you, and I'm reminded that we often will pray God, open up our, our hearts, open up our minds, open up our ears so that we can hear what it is you have for us. And, and we're praying even in this moment that you would instruct us, that your Holy Spirit, we would notice, we would recognize your presence and that you would open this up to us so that we understand, but not just to, to learn a new thing, but to be changed so that we don't walk out the same way we came in. And so we do ask you for that. We um, are just really honest about our dependence on you in this moment and so in this season that reminds us that uh, we don't live by bread alone but by every word that comes from the mouth of you. Help us to recognize that. Help us to be humble and, and just receive this and be changed by you today, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. And so Jesus is healing and Jesus is teaching. And something that unfortunately stood out to me in the uh, first kind of portion that we were reading from chapter 3 is this. He, he looked around angrily at these people who wouldn't give him an answer. He looked around and he was deeply saddened by their hard hearts. We were learning a little bit about that even last week. And in this case, what we're noticing uh, by this is that we ourselves do not want to have hard hearts. We actually intentionally want to humble ourselves. We intentionally want to have soft hearts, maybe thick skin at times, but soft hearts. What I noticed, and, and perhaps what stood out to you when you were reading chapter 3, is that they, his enemies, they watched him closely, not for good reason, right? They planned to accuse him, 
And then you'll see throughout the passage, they seem to be the ones who doing evil and to destroy life and then obviously to kill Jesus. That, that seems to apply to them, watching him closely, planning to accuse him, doing evil, to destroy life, not to save, and to kill Jesus. In the observation I made, uh, we might think of Sunday as a Sabbath, but in, in this it would have been Saturday, and, and so the, they were pretty strict. These people would have known the law, they would have known what, what they were allowed to do and what they weren't allowed to do, but Jesus is trying to make a point here. And some might even define if he was truly working, but you'll see that it was the word, the word that he spoke, this man reached out in faith, being obedient to this call to action that Jesus had. And then he was healed. And so one thought is that you could consider that Jesus in this initial kind of story that we looked at, Jesus worked to save life on the Sabbath, but the Pharisees worked to destroy life on the Sabbath. So it's, it's funny that I, I never noticed this before, but it's still the Sabbath in verse 6. And it says, at once the Pharisees went away and met with the supporters of Herod to plot how to kill Jesus. So I don't know if they read, yeah, keep the Sabbath, but I'm pretty sure thou shalt not murder, <laughs> like thou shalt not kill. I think that's in there too. And so um, they're watching Jesus closely, but they're not watching their own hard hearts as closely as they should. When we jump into this parable in the, uh, in the, on the lakeshore again, Jesus, he's teaching and he's using this word picture. Uh, maybe some of you have some farming background. I know that I got to see... Um, uh, an old copy. I was looking through Ancestry, and, and I was able to see my, my grandparents' um, marriage license and, and, and whatever, and they wrote occupation, and my grandfather wrote farmer. And so before, uh, before they started having kids and moved to town, that, that was his occupation. I didn't get to see him in action, but I saw old pictures back when the world was in black and white. You remember, some of you? Um, Anyway, I saw lots of things that he did, but I don't, I don't have much experience. Maybe you have a green thumb, maybe you don't, but, but I don't think you need to know uh, all about farming to understand the significance of, of this parable. Again, some of it relates one for one, uh, physical to spiritual, and, and some of it might, might not, um, but the point is, is what we can learn and what we can understand. Jesus is going to explain a little bit more in it. What we're noticing is there's four different, different kind of scenes here. There's the footpath. And so picture this. It, it seems kind of ridiculous. We probably today, uh, we wouldn't just scatter seed everywhere. I mean, some things might fall, sure. But, but in this case, um, he, he's scattering it uh, generously. And the stuff that fell on the footpath didn't sprout at all. There was, there was no sprouting. There was no growth. So obviously there was no produce. There was no harvest in it, but the birds just came and ate it before anything else could happen. And then the next scene, you can see that there's kind of a combination here. There's shallow soil, but there's also this underlying rock. And so it must have been enough, as it's explained here, they sprouted, but the roots weren't deep enough. So what happened? Well, they were wilted by the hot sun and unfortunately died. So two down, uh, what happens next? Well, then the next is among thorns. And so what's interesting here, have you ever noticed that, uh, that weeds, you don't have to plant them? 
they kind of plant themselves, right? I've heard people talk about how, oh, I love dandelions. Really? Do you? Do you love them on your lawn too? Uh, and so in this, you don't really have to uh, do much to gain them. They just kind of blow with the wind. But in this case, um, think about the thorns kind of being like weeds as well. So in this case, the seed, it, it sprouted. It even grew. But what happened it's choked out, it's, it's crowded out by the thorns. They're growing up together, but the, the, the thorns, un, unfortunately, win and there's no produce. So we were so close, we went from not even sprouting to, to sprouting, to then sprouting and growing, but now we see that in this final scene, it's fertile soil. It seems like, wouldn't you have just started here in the first place? What happened? Well, the seed, it sprouted, that's good. It grew, okay, that's even better. But the, the amazing thing is that it produced 30, 60, and 100 times what really what, what happened here. And um, you don't have to do much math to understand the significance of this. We've looked at this before. When I've looked at it before, you might assume that didn't he waste 75% of his seeds just to get uh, produce from, from this last kind of soil? That's one way to look at it because... In my investigation, a good harvest in Palestine at this time would have been about 10 times. 10 times is, is, is pretty good. That, that's fair. And, and just so you know, some, sometimes you like to think in percentage. Um, well, wouldn't that be like 1,000%? And so in, in this case, if you think about it, I also just thinking of the numbers, wouldn't you often say 30, 60, 90 so just another small observation here is that it's kind of amazing that it went 30, 60, 100 because it kind of counts for the normal 10 and then an extra 90. That's one way that you could think about it. But here's what I want you to notice. These two stories seem to be connected in, in my view. And this is it. I think we're seeing that there's actually two miracles. One miracle is obviously that this man, he has this, this deformed hand and, and Jesus has him stand up. Not only that, uh, but he has him reach out his hand. He, he, he lifts it out in front of him. He holds it out there and then it's completely restored. Jesus spoke the man in faith in an obedience, listens, he obeys, and then, and then he's healed. That's a miracle. The other miracle in this story is both the understanding of this parable, which we'll look into more, but also recognizing that that harvest is a miracle. So I think that the initial listeners, at least some of them that were keen in and, and listened while Jesus said, listen, anyone with ears, Please, you know, use them, like, hear and understand what, what's going on here. They would have noticed, wait, 30 times is, is really good. 60 times, that's, that's amazing, but 100 times, so that's like 10,000% extra. So again, think of it in percentage, 3,000, 6,000, 10,000 extra, when normally 1,000 would have been good. And so that's part of the miracle. There's miracles happening everywhere here, even in the teaching. And so listen, that, that term and in, in the story when it starts in, in chapter 4, it's the first word, it's the first thing that Jesus says. And in my translation, there's an exclamation mark because he's trying to both get the crowd's attention, saying, like, I'm about to start but the same word is the word that they would have used morning and evening in, in their daily reciting of the Shema and, and, and in their daily prayers. They would have been reminded of this. And so he kind of bookends this parable, this short story, with listen. And then anyone with ears to hear should listen. 
and understand. Listen to him isn't just to say, hey, everyone, attention, attention, listen to me. But actually, it's an authoritative command. It's requiring immediate action. And the action isn't to do anything but to open your ears to truly listen to what Jesus is saying. I love how David Smith puts it. He's talking about the Gospel of Mark, which we're looking into, which we're reading together each week, which we're studying and then reflecting on. He says that from start to finish, it's a call to discipleship, which begins with auditory obedience. Auditory meaning listening. It begins with listening to the Word of God. It begins with listening to the command of Jesus. If he's calling us to action, we need to listen. And so I want to remind us today and remind myself that listening to Jesus is vital. Listening to Jesus is essential. Listening to Jesus is absolutely necessary for your life. Your understanding depends on it. I love, we're, we're going to get to it in a moment, but... Um, Later on in chapter 4, Jesus says to pay close attention to what you hear. The closer you listen, the more understanding you will be given and you will receive even more. To those who listen to my teaching, more understanding will be given. But to those who are not listening, even what little understanding they have will be taken away from them. So this is important for us to be Uh, keen in listening to what he says. Remember, he finishes this parable with, anyone with ears to hear should listen and understand. I don't know if you ever play it by ear. That's not always a a good thing, but sometimes it can be. But but perhaps there's some musicians in the room, anyone? Playing by ear is actually usually a a good thing. Some some people, uh, they say to to keep a guitarist kind of low volume and and quiet, just put some sheet music in front of them, uh, because usually they don't learn the same way that many of you that might have grown up playing piano would, where you would read the notes, but but hopefully you're you're listening to the notes. Music uh, in its purest form is meant to be listened to, isn't it? You're supposed to use your ear. So I was thinking about in the context of listen and the context of hear, our ears might be open. There's sound waves hitting there and we're receiving it, it at, least, at least physically speaking, but are we taking it in? And so I thought back to when my grandparents got me my first guitar. I didn't actually want it. That's another story. But I was kind of forced into guitar lessons. So they sent me to this guy who was an amazing player. I could at least tell that. I didn't know how to hold the guitar. I didn't know where to put my fingers. I didn't understand much about music. I kind of pushed that part away as I was a child. But all of a sudden, I realized in a lesson, my instructor had me bring in a song that I wanted to learn. And it was called a cassette tape. There was like this like tape. I think they're in museums now. But anyway, you can look it up later. But I brought a cassette tape in with a with a with a song back in in the 90s, and I wanted to learn this song, but I had no idea how to do it, and he just said, bring it in. And so it was kind of like magic. I I saw a miracle in front of me because he he put it in this machine, and he he cued it up, and he hit play, and as he was listening, I'm hearing the same song. I'm like, yeah, I I like the sound of that, whatever that is. I at least somehow knew that it was an acoustic guitar being played, but I didn't think that I could actually do it. All of a sudden, he listens, and he's, he starts tuning his guitar to the song. He wasn't using a tuner. He, he wasn't using a pitchfork or anything like that. He wasn't hitting a note on a piano. He was listening to the song. He seemed to recognize what was going on. He adjusted accordingly, and then he started playing the song. 
right in front of me. He wasn't looking at anything. His ear was just attached to this music. Somehow he must have understood. And then he started explaining things to me. Oh, yeah, it's in such and such a tuning. And I'm like, yeah, of course it is. Yeah, right. Yeah, sure. And, and he started playing. And then he took out a sheet of paper, which had lines on it. Uh, it's called tab. It's basically a, a line per string. And he started putting numbers down, representing uh, where to put my finger, like counting up and all of this. And, and it's kind of incredible that all of a sudden I, I, I saw the notes. I could see what his hand was doing. It sounded exactly like what, what I, I wanted to sound like. And he told me during that lesson that, oh, you'll be able to do this too. I'm like, nope, <laughs> there's, there's just no way. There's no way that I'm going to be able to listen to something and, and somehow that would compute to my hands doing the right thing. No way that that would happen. So I went home and I was learning the song based on watching him. You know, sometimes some of us, we have to watch someone do a thing and then we try to do it along with them and then we try to do it our best when we get home. For me, something happened. I, I listened to yet another song and all of a sudden I could, I could start to picture and it was a little bit of trial and error at first, but I realized that I could actually find the correct note on my guitar and I, I was like, oh, that's weird. And then all of a sudden, I would hear a new song that I, I had no idea uh, what chords were being played. I didn't have any instruction. There wasn't YouTube at the time. Uh, this was the Stone Ages. And so I, I put my fingers down, and I, I, I picked the notes, and it sounded like what I was hearing. And then when I got back, I showed my teacher, hey, I tried this thing. And he's like, oh, yeah, you're playing by ear now. I'm like, what? I, like, what does that mean? And so it was really incredible at the time, and, and I share this because... It was one thing, music had always been hitting my ear. Music was always like vibrating in my head, but it didn't mean I understood it. And all of a sudden, it was like a light bulb went off. It clicked for me, and all of a sudden, I started having more understanding. I started to recognize, oh yeah, that's probably this. And usually, if I was incorrect, it was off by, maybe I needed a capo or something like that, but I started to learn how to play by ear. This is valuable maybe in this illustration too, but uh, this led to me getting to play music in college. I went to college and Brent Ingersoll, who grew up in this church, he and I, 20 years ago this summer, traveled from camp to camp in the U.S. and all the way up to Caton's Island, and uh, we would lead worship together, and then we formed a worship band. And, and really, the, the reason we were able to do that is because we could listen to a song, even a brand new song out, we could hear and be like, yeah, it's like this, and, and we could play by ear, and that helped us in, in our journeys. And then uh, a little bit later on, the two of us, um, at first at separate times, got to play with a guy named Anthony Moore, who plays the bass guitar. We got to play with him. Uh, he's at King's Church. Uh, we got to play in a youth rally with him there. I even got to travel to Indiana uh, to play with him in a different band. Uh, but, I, but I share this because playing by ear and using your ear and understanding is so important. Listening, it's easy to say, listen, let it hit, let sound waves hit your ear. It's another thing to actually recognize and understand and do something about it. Be changed from the inside out. And so I want to announce this to you that in about a month's time, we're going to have something called a Hearing God Workshop with Anthony Moore. And uh, so this is going to be on Sunday, April the 2nd at 6 p.m. When I was down in Florida for the gathering, Brent was putting on uh, kind of a, a workshop 
uh, all about the ministry of the Holy Spirit. And I was sitting next to my friend Anthony at this, and, and Brent was sharing this story of how Anthony was going to different groups in, at King's Church and, and putting on this, um, this kind of workshop, and how people were being changed. They were recognizing God's voice. They were hearing him. Some people, even, even teenagers, for the first time, and, and seeing them after they were dropped off for the event, and when they were picked up, being like, God knows me. Like, I... I heard him. He's real. Like, he knows me. And there was just this change. And so I talked to Anthony, and I didn't have to twist his arm too much to convince him to come. And so we want to invite you out for this. Perhaps you've been thinking about it. It seems to pertain to what we're talking about right now. But maybe you've been wondering, I I really want to know if I can hear God. Well, maybe you want to come out to this. I'm really excited uh, to see what God does through this and, and using Anthony's ministry in this. So you're invited. I'm excited for, for this. And so again, it's, it's about listening. And, and Jesus, just a little bit later, he gets with his disciples and, and they're, they're asking him often what would happen is, if you could picture Jesus teaching the crowd, right? And teaching all these people who were following him. And can you imagine his inner circle and, and even the 12 just nodding around like, yeah, yeah, good teaching. Yeah, you understand, right? of course, yeah, yeah. And then after when they were in private, like, what did, what did he mean by that? Like, what is going on here? This doesn't make any sense. And Jesus points out saying, if you can't understand the meaning of this parable, how will you understand all the other parables? And so this is actually the first one we're seeing in Mark, and many think that it, it, it's on purpose, that this is the first of the next 30 to 60 or however many parables there are throughout the gospel accounts. And understanding this is, is kind of a key to understanding the rest of them. And so Jesus, he, he gets with his disciples. It says later, when he was alone with his 12 disciples and with the others uh, who were gathered around, they asked him what the parables meant. And so back to sitting for a second, they're all uh, standing around waiting and the, the rabbi sits down. It's kind of a, a placement of authority where by sitting down, they know he's about to teach. He's about to instruct us. And so that's verse 10. And then he comes down uh, in verse 14. He starts explaining that parable that we just read. He says that the farmer plants seed by taking God's word to others. The seed that fell on the footpath represents those who hear the message only to have Satan come at once and take it away. The seed on the rocky soil represents those who hear the message and immediately receive it with joy. But since they don't have deep roots, they don't last long. They fall away as soon as they have problems or are persecuted for believing God's word. The seed that fell among the thorns represents those who hear God's word, but are all too quickly the, the message of is crowded out by the worries of this life, the lure of wealth, and the desire of other things, so no fruit is produced. But the final verse reads, And the seed that fell on good soil represents those who hear and accept God's word and produce a harvest of 30, 60, or even 100 times as much as has been planted. That's the miracle that we were talking about. There's a miracle. You hear Jesus healing someone and their hand is restored. Well, in this, the miracle is that instead of 10 times, 
It's at least 30 times as much as has been planted. It's at least sometimes 60 times as much, and then as much as 100 times as much as has been planted. The idea here is to listen, to respond, and to produce. And so Jesus, as he's sitting there, they're they're kind of all of a sudden realizing, do I understand it now? He says, I need to understand this to understand everything else that he's going to teach. I, I can't just keep showing up and nodding along like, yeah, yeah, wait, what does he mean by that? It needs to start to make sense. And, and so I want to remind us some of the observations uh, that we can see if you reread this is that recognize the farmer in, in this case, what does he say? It, it, he's taking God's word to others. It, it's his seed. It, it's actually the word of God. It's his seed. It, it's his field It's his initiative to plant, but then it's our listening, it's our responding, and it's our producing, but it's still his miracle. So when you get to see that that produce, it's really a miracle. It comes back to last week, I, I was thinking of a way to phrase it, and the way that I looked at it is, what's more surprising to us? When God responds and does something or when we respond back to him and end up doing something, depending on your, your view, depending on, on how you're looking at it, uh, either of them could be surprising. To me, it's actually more surprising when we actually respond back to God and, and, and we see that he's changing us from the inside out. And so in this case, I'm seeing that it's, it's divine initiative, but then there's human response. If you think about the first man, Jesus notices him. He takes the initiative to get him to stand up. Remember the accusers, all all those people, they're looking. They're watching him closely. If he heals this man, we're going to kill him, basically, is, is what they're getting down to. But then the initiative continues. What does he do? He says to the man, hold out your hand. We don't even think Jesus touched him. We think that he just instructed him to do that. And so when the man responded... It hit his ears, but he responded by stretching out his hand, and then immediately it's restored. There's human response involved. Don't ever forget that. Verse 20 tells us those who hear and accept God's word, and there's a present tense of this. There's a continual ongoing hearing that we need to recognize. And this is why I really want to point this home before the team comes up to lead us in a final song, is that following Jesus is meant to be persistent. It's meant to be continual. It's meant to be ongoing. And it requires hearing, not just letting sound waves hit your ear, but actually responding to God. It's meant for us to be persistent, to keep following him. And so I want to encourage you today, not come down on you, but to say, start and don't stop following Jesus. Continue, endure, remain. You could probably picture imagery of of John 15 where Jesus is saying, I am the vine and you are the branches. Remain in me and I in you. And so the challenge here is to listen. Not just listen, but listen and respond. And when you respond, you'll see the miracle of God producing something in you that, that starts on the inside, but it works its way out. And so it begins with this divine initiative But it can't end there. There needs to be human response. And so we receive God's word, and then we're transformed. We're not just reading just to finish it and to know some 
new angles on some old stories or something like that, but to actually listen, even when you're reading it in private, that the Holy Spirit would be stirring things within you that maybe something would pop off the page. I love how many people are highlighting different things in version, and maybe you're underlining in your Bible at home. Do this and then reflect on it. Be changed and, and let's see how that changes things in our community. Allow God's word in. Allow it to take deep root within your heart. Allow him to create a change within you. That's the internal. The God, the God's word has to come in, but then see how that change becomes evident externally. It must come out, but it starts with his initiative. But it can't stay there. It has to go to our response. So Father, we are trying to listen. We, we are definitely hearing, but let us hear and accept. Let us be changed by what it is you have for us. Let us understand what it is you're teaching to us. Let us apply it to our lives. We want to see this miracle, first in understanding and then seeing the, the produce, not just a 10x, but would you allow a, a 30, maybe even a 60, would you grant us a 100x in what it is that you're doing here in this church? We want to be changed by you, and so we, again, just recognize that we don't live by bread alone, but by every word that comes out of your mouth, and, and Father, we are listening right now. We pray in Jesus' name.